Lions, Bengals, and Bears, none of my guys scared. Chase rumbling, any one of them guys there. Wayne Young and he hungry, I pray we patient with him. I pray he leave with some money, I pray he leave with his health. Yeah. Uh, the physical and mental The thing I like about football is that stats kill opinions This rap shit I licked it I ain't about to knock it This whole summer I was buying oil and went to Prada And I tried being peaceful But my peace was getting bothered So no doubt we got them eagles We go Carson Wentz, Stefani Okay, okay, okay What's going on ladies and gentlemen Welcome to episode 131 of Electrified I'm your host, Eric Lyons it's March 1st, it's Monday, new month, new week, new blessings, new opportunities, and new day. Uh, it's Monday, so if you follow me on social media, you know that yesterday I announced that Electrify will now be dropping on Mondays and Fridays. I'm going back to the two episodes per week formula, looking to give you guys more content um you know so i'm excited about that so i'm gonna be very strict with these drops and you know everything should be on time from here on out especially for the rest of the year so we're gonna keep pushing and you know you know we're in the 130s now so let's just keep moving uh we got a lot to get through today man we're going to talk uh of course you know a lot of canelo um then i want to talk about canelo versus floyd uh the triller getting into boxing, things going on in the NHL, and we'll talk about Lamar Jackson's negotiations negotiations with the Ravens and Russell Wilson and the uh, Deshaun Watson situation. So let's start off with Canelo's fight over the weekend. As you know, Canelo Alvarez stopped um, Vinny Yildrum for the fourth round in the third round after the knockdown his trainer stopped the fight he said he was gonna give the man one more round and didn't even give it to him my man said he he had seen enough three rounds it only took three rounds for him to be like you know what nah we out of here we're not gonna waste your time and, and waste your health with this one we gone we out we out um everybody was on twitter joking about how uh canelo's entrance was longer than the fight which it actually i think it was um, it was inter- it was a good entrance though, hell of an entrance. It was fun to see the Miami Vice um, type videos playing on the jumbotrons at the Hard Rock Stadium and uh, at the Dolphin Stadium. It was the first boxing event held down there, and I I would like to see some more fights down there, man. It looked cool. It was definitely to see cool to see boxing in Miami like that. So that was that was cool cool environment. Um, but. You know, so then Jay Balvin came out and performed, and they had a whole thing going on. I think it's cool that what Matchroom does with the big uh, LED screen stage. It looks like a WWE show almost. Um, that's instead of you know guys just coming out of the you know the tunnel, the locker room, and just looks like you know a normal another you know boxing match. But this felt like show a lot of showmanship uh, with this entrance and. His Canelo's last two entrances have been like this, but this one has this was fire. J Balvin walked him down to the ring. That was fire. You know, Canelo's usually he's coming up with the mariachi music and you know the traditional Mexican entrance, but this was fire. I was and you know it was fun to see it, that side of Canelo. I uh, definitely enjoyed it. Uh, the entrance, the entrance was fire. And then you know just before the fight. You know, watching Canelo in the locker room. You know, with the cameras back there in the locker room, you could just tell. He already knew how this night was going to go, how that night was going to go. He he felt it. He knew. He knew, and I think we all knew. I wasn't, 
I had no nerves, no pre-fight nerves before the fight as a fan. Uh, I think he was he was pretty loose. There was a lot of people backstage, you know, walking in and out of the locker room. He was taking pictures with people, and he was smiling the whole time. He just looked comfortable. Like, he just knew that tonight he was going out there to put on a show for the fans who in attendance and the people watching around the world. He knew this was nothing but a tune-up, and he knew that as soon as the fight was over, he had an announcement to make, and that was that he's fighting Billy Joe Saunders May 8th. Uh, the big Cinco de Mayo wink weekend fight, and this is you know this was nothing but a, a tune up, um, and that's all it was. But um, once again, boxing at the Hard Rock was cool. But I think you know Eddie Hearn and Matram they're going all out. They're going all out from the you know the big the big making Canelo's entrance the big spectacle that it has been these last two fights and just being uh, supportive of him. I like. You know, Eddie Hearn, people say a lot of different things about Eddie Hearn, but me personally, personally, I don't have a problem with Eddie Hearn, and I'm, it's interesting to see him work with Canelo, and I think that he Canelo's in a much better place with Eddie Hearn than he was in with Oscar De La Hoya. From the outside looking in, I can, I can just see, it looks like Canelo's happy. You know, it looks like he's happy with Eddie Hearn and doing business with Matt Shroom and you know, still being able to fight on the zone while not being under contract with the zone. I think that's pretty cool. Um, but the fight itself was a sparring match. I, th- I think we all knew that. I think for me, I think my only concern about Canelo's health was his hands. I was scared he was going to break his hand because uh, some of the body shots were landing really low and kind of like on uh, Yildrum's hip bone. Like, that's how low they looked, and that was just making me nervous. I didn't want anything crazy to happen. Like, he breaks his hand or, or broke his wrist or something like that, and that puts, you know, the next fight in jeopardy. I didn't I didn't want to see anything like that. So that was my only concern as far as Canelo's health went in that fight. But other than that, all in all, it was, it was a tune-up. It was a tune-up. And it was just like, you know, that you could just see that that opponent, he, he had no business being in the ring with Canelo and Canelo knew that he didn't he didn't take his time with him he picked him apart very fairly quickly and, and put him down and you know it was a wrap it wasn't it wasn't like <laughs> dog Yildrum was just in there standing around like he was standing it was he was a statue it was just like it wasn't a moving target it was a stagnant target he had nowhere to go even when he was in the center, center of the ring it was no movement from him um, you know, we, we barely got to see any of the good Canelo head movement because he wasn't even really throwing like that. He was just frozen. It was just like he knew that he was in the ring with somebody who was eons above him and just far, far from him in terms of skill and presence, ring presence. He just knew he ain't had no business in there with him. But it was a mandatory challenge. And this is just where it just makes me upset that we have to. I wouldn't say waste our time with these fights, but it's just like I feel bad for the fighters that they these mandatory challenges exist because nine times out of ten it's going to look like that. It's going to be a mandatory challenger, but this is that guy hasn't fought in two years. How does he get a chance to get in the ring with the the best fighter in the world and he hasn't fought in two years? And his last fight he got knocked out in. So when we start looking at these councils, the WBA, the WBC, the WBO, and the IBF, it's like, yo, what exactly are we doing here, and how how are we determining who is a mandatory challenger or not? You know, it, it's just it's just weird to see what they consider 
to be, you know, a mandatory challenger and how these fights waste our time because we want to see the best fighting the best. We don't want to see the best fighting who the council considers the best or the most convenient to be at this time. No, we want to see the best fight the best. And that's why as soon as the fight was over, they announced that Canelo's May 8th bout versus Billy Joe Saunders will happen. So I'm very, very excited for that. If you don't know who Billy Joe Saunders is, he's from the UK. He's 31 years old. He has a professional record of 30-0 and 0 with 14 knockouts. And he is the WBO super middleweight champion of the world. He has notable wins over Chris Eubank Jr. and David Lemieux. So Canelo is trying to become undisputed at 168. We talked about that. The other day is just you know he, he's trying to make history. He's trying. He said it himself. Each weight class should have one champion. There shouldn't be you know more than one champion. And I definitely, I definitely agree. I mean, we have four. What do we have? The WBA, the WBO, WBC, and IBF. We have four boxing councils, um, and then we have Diamond, Interim, Lineal, uh, Franchise, and it's it's just. A lot of different titles floating around. It's like, okay, well, we know what the the four core titles are, are the main ones, and those should be it. That should be it. If we're not going to have one one champion per weight class, can we at least just eliminate all of the weird belts, like the franchise title with the WBC, the diamond belts, the all of that? No. Just keep it at four. You got your four boxing councils. Cool, whatever. That that's where it should be at each weight class. There shouldn't there shouldn't be all these uh belts polluting the game. It's just it's unnecessary. It's unnecessary. Um but you know, he's in and he's I'm excited for Canelo being able to fight on May eighth because last year he was robbed of his single de Mayo date because of the legal battles with Delahoya and Golden Boy. And um this year he gets to fight on May eighth, single to Maya weekend. That's good for him. Um, you know, May the first weekend of May was May Day. That was Floyd Mayweather's day for years. And it's you know, when he retired it became Canelo's day. Um, so I'm excited for that. Um I'm excited for the title fight because it's it's big. It's you know, the three belts on the line and then after that it's only one man to beat and that's Caleb Plant. And then we're talking about that somebody's going to have four belts very soon. So I just hope that all goes right getting to this fight in May as far as Billy Joe Saunders, his side goes. And, you know, I hope we have a hell of a fight. I'm excited for that fight. I definitely am. Uh, But, yeah, man, it's really not too much to say about what we saw Saturday night. Uh, We already knew what it was coming in. I told you guys it was nothing but a tune-up. It was just a tune-up, man. It was just you know keeping the keeping the machine oil, you know keeping keeping everything fresh because he got a big fight in May, got a big fight in May. But Canelo, congratulations to Canelo Alvarez, man, after a successful another successful title defense, um, and the second victory in seventy days. But here's 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 my thing. Here's my thing. Here's my thing. I love Canelo to death. Canelo's my favorite boxer. He was my second favorite boxer when Floyd was still active, but Floyd retired. He's my favorite boxer. I love Canelo. I've been watching Canelo for 10 years. Here's my problem with the people in the media. After every Canelo fight, 
as of recent, you know, these recent years since he's gotten so good um, and become the pound for pound king. The question that everybody asks as soon as the fight is over is, can Canelo beat Floyd now? And ladies and gentlemen, I don't care how many times you ask this question, the answer will always, always be no. Not maybe. It's going to be no. And I'm going to tell you why. So the trend on Twitter and Instagram right now is you had to be there. And everybody posts, you know, it'll be a video or a set of pictures. And it's just like an era that you had to be there for. Something you had to be there for. And I think one of those things that you had to be there for was Floyd Mayweather in his prime. It's just something you had to be there for. I was young. I was young. But I've been watching boxing since I could walk. Every time Floyd fought, it was ordered at, at the crib. We watched Floyd's fights. Took me a while to truly understand what I was watching. I think that, you know, it didn't, you know, as as I got older, when I was younger, I didn't necessarily like Floyd because, you know, I thought his style, I didn't appreciate the sweet science yet. I still was a bang, bang, yo, you got to knock somebody out type of, like, you know, that's what I was looking for when we talked about, you know, boxing. But I think probably when I got to middle school, yeah, you know, preteen, that's when I started really, you know, getting it and truly understanding what I was watching, right? And where I truly started to appreciate, you know, the greatness that was, you know, Floyd Mayweather in that ring. And then I started to go back and watch fights, you know, Floyd's come up and everything on YouTube. And it's like, okay, yeah, yeah, this, yeah, this is the guy right here. This is the guy right here. And I'm glad I had that epiphany as early as I did. To where as though I was able to watch You know the end That was still where he was still great But the end of it You know from I want to say what 09 on You know 2010 on So I like you know I think my appreciation for Floyd Really started from 2010 And up I have really got to appreciate Floyd Mayweather you know As a fan and as a fan of the sport Of boxing so that's just something You had to be there for I think that a lot of Younger kids You know younger people Don't really get that They You had to be there But even grown men older than me Don't get it Like you How can you not appreciate this man What he did in the sport of boxing TBE 50 and 0 For a reason Um, And I think that's You know you had to be there for that But you also had to be there September of 2013. Ah, man. September 2013. What was I doing? What was I doing September 2013, man? What was I at? I was, uh, what was I? Was I a freshman or a sophomore in high school? Oh, my goodness. I was a sophomore? Yeah, I was a sophomore. Oh, my goodness. I'm an old man. Yeah, man. September 2013. Canelo Alvarez versus Floyd Money Mayweather. You had to be there, ladies and gentlemen. You had to. 
Had to. Let me tell you. Let me tell you something real quick. Not real quick. Let's let's go back to 2013. Let's go back. To time travel a little bit. It's time travel. Let's look at the tail of the tape. So at this time, Floyd was 44 and 0. He had 26 knockouts. He was 36 years old. Canelo was 42, 0 and 1, 32 knockouts, and he was 23 years old. Young, young. Um, was 23 years old, and Canelo had previously, you know, before fighting Floyd, he had three straight fights of, um, you know, he had, was on a three fight slide where he beat Shane Mosley, Josecito Lopez, and Austin Trout leading up to this fight. So we had got some big, big, you know, big names under his belt right before going into fighting Floyd. And that's why, you know, this fight really happened. Everybody was like, okay, it's time. But not necessarily everybody. I think Oscar De La Hoya. Oscar De La Hoya, man. He, he, whew, he thought this. He thought Canelo was going to be the one to do it. He said, if I can't do it, he can. He thought, you know, this is my God. This is my protege. He got the power. He has the tools to do it. He's better than me. He can do it. He can solve the puzzle. Boy, was he wrong. <sighs> man, Floyd whooped Canelo's ass. To put it nicely He had that man walking to the wrong corner This is young Canelo Ladies and gentlemen 23 years old 23 years old Fighting the best in the world At 23 years old Let's look at the CompuBox stats Floyd's total punch output 23 He, I mean well, excuse me 232 out of 500, uh, 505, he landed 46% of his punches, 139 for 33, for 330, 40, he landed 42% of his jabs, and then 93 of 175, he landed 53% of his power punches. You look at Canelo, 117 for f- well, 4, wow, I can't speak, 117 for 526, he only landed 22% of his total punches, 44 for 294, he only landed 15% of his jabs. And 73 for 232, he only landed 31% of his power punches. Ladies and gentlemen, he was barely touching Floyd. He barely touched him. This is Canelo Alvarez, ladies and gentlemen. One of the hardest hitting, most accurate punches in the game. He couldn't touch Floyd. He couldn't solve the mystery. He couldn't solve the puzzle. Um, let's look at the scorecards, man. So Dave Moretti scored this 116, 112 for Floyd, Craig Metcalf's. Uh, Craig Metcalf scored at 117-111 in favor of Floyd And somehow C.J. Ross scored this fight a draw I remember that uh, 114-114 So it was just a schooling man It was a schooling It was a schooling Floyd took him to school He took him to school Just like he did mo- mostly everybody before But Canelo at this, at this age He really took that man to school So when you, when you ask the question you know, would he beat Floyd now? The question that I will ask you is, do you think that Daniel's son could beat Mr. Miyagi? And you would tell me no. Absolutely not. Nobody could solve Floyd's puzzle. And he was the only one to solve Canelo's. He's the only man that beat Canelo. Nobody else can say they've beaten Canelo Alvarez. The only man who can say that is retired right now. Nobody active right now can say they beat Canelo Alvarez. Nobody. Nobody. Only Floyd can say that. 
And nobody on in, on earth can say they beat him. That was the last time Canelo Alvarez lost a fight. Hasn't lost since. Hasn't lost since. So what does that tell you, man? That tells you that, one, Canelo Alvarez is the best boxer in the world right now. And, two, Floyd's the GOAT. I mean, we already knew that, but this this right here just is further proof because how come nobody else has been able to do it? How come? Triple G couldn't do it, and he had two chances. Nobody else has come close. Nobody else has done it. So... I think that instead of you know asking these hypothetical questions, because one, uh, the fight would never happen, obviously for obvious reasons. That the fight would never happen. But let's say twenty sixteen, if we had a rematch, you know, Floyd would have been what thirty nine. You know I mean I still say no I still say no I know that Canelo has, is, is way 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 better than he is Than he was back then But one thing he's much bigger Than he was that fight was at what 147 Canelo Alvarez would never See that again so that's One reason why the fight would have never happened And But I just Don't I, I just understand I understand, look, man, Canelo is on a different level now, but it's still Floyd. I really think people don't understand. We're not just talking about uh, some good fighter. No, we're talking about the best to ever do it. It's Floyd Mayweather, man. Come on. Come on. I really think a lot of you guys forgot, you know, how good Floyd was, man. Like, he, he wasn't losing fights. He wasn't even losing rounds. Like... He was barely losing rounds. And you guys, yeah. Come on, man. Floyd's the greatest I've ever seen with my own two eyes. He is. And, you know, I've been watching Canelo for years, and I think he's the only other fighter who has made me sit and be like, damn, I'm really watching greatness. Like, nobody has ever made me. Like, I think Floyd is the only one, you know, who's made me really, you know, be like, yo, this is greatness right here. And I haven't felt that way about a current boxer um, outside of Canelo. You know, a little bit of Lomachenko. But Floyd and Canelo, yeah, those two modern times, those are the fighters that I'm looking at. You know, it's like, damn. Yeah, I'm glad I'm here for this. I'm glad I'm seeing this. Um, And I just like, I was talking about this on, um, talking about their resumes I mean, come on, come on, man, come on. Let's let's look it up. Let's look at Floyd's. Who is Floyd beaten at, at at multiple weight classes, man? Floyd Mayweather. You think Canelo beat everybody, boy? Hold up, let me go to this uh, box rack. Uh, give me one minute. Floyd Mayweather, fifty and zero, fifty and zero. By the way. Let's look at it. 
Uh, da, 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 da. Let's see, let's see, let's see. Give me a minute. Look at this. Uh, Jose Cast. Oh yeah, Jose Castillo beat him twice. Demarcus Corley, Arturo Gotti, R.I.P. to the God. Sab Judah, Oscar De La Hoya, Ricky Hatton. Juan Manuel Marquez, Shane Mosley, Victor Ortiz, Miguel Cotto, Roberto Guerrero, uh, Canelo Alvarez, Marcos Maidana two times, Manny Pacquiao, Andre Berto. But this is the thing. He wasn't, you know, fighting. There were no real, uh, let's see. It wasn't a lot of filler fights for him once he got to that big level, once he got to that top level. It wasn't too many of those. Like he, you know, De La Hoya, Ricky Hatton, Juan Manuel Marquez, those were all, you know, back to back to back. Even though he had the three-year layoff. I mean, not excuse, I said three-year. He had a layoff, but a two-year layoff after the uh, the Ricky Hatton fight. But, bro, he's fighting. These are all fights in a row. Like, these are all happening right after each other. Wasn't no, yeah, I'm gonna fight, I'm gonna go fight somebody else, and then I'm gonna go have a big fight. No, I won the big fight right after I just had the big fight. Um, and then here's another thing people get, you know, misconstrued, man. Um, when Floyd was at his lightest weight back in the early 2000s, he was putting guys to sleep, by the way. I, f- I think, I think a lot of people forget that he was putting guys down. He's putting guys down from the 90s to the early 2000s, yeah. Before his hands got all brittle like his uncle's RIP to the god, Roger Mayweather. But before his hands got all brittle like that, yeah, Floyd was putting guys to sleep. He was putting guys to sleep, man. All right? Please don't get it twisted. Floyd is the truth. There will never be, I don't I don't see it. I don't see another, another there will be nobody to display that. Not just because of pure skill, but just the way he did it, man. He got the hell away from Golden Boy and then turned himself into the brand. No no endorsements, none of that. No, it's me. I'm the money man. I'm the pay-per-view star. Floyd Money Mayweather. All right? Yeah, man, I just think that we should just appreciate both of them as, you know, separate entities. And I don't think that... I think Canelo has reached a a point in his career. He's already reached that point, but I think now... If especially with him having such success at different weight classes, I don't think he he shouldn't be you know tied to Floyd like that anymore. When we talk about Canelo Alvarez, we shouldn't have to talk about Canelo uh, Floyd Mayweather. I think he's past that loss now. He's been past that loss, but there was no real reason to go out and try to I guess avenge that loss because. It was just so much else for him to do, and he wasn't going to stay a welterweight and here for the rest of his career. So it was just like, yo, whatever. You know, he learned a lot from it. Obviously, you know, he learned a lot from it, and you know, took that and rolled with it. Hasn't lost since. It just gotten better. So, yeah, man, I just think that we should all just appreciate that greatness of separate entities and and not. Uh, the comparisons and hypotheticals. Let let that go. Let that go. We don't we don't need that. We don't need that. We don't need that. But yeah, man, I just I just I just get tired of seeing that question. Like, nah, man, it's Floyd, man. Come on, come on. It's Floyd. It's Floyd. 
Um, let's see, let's see. So let's let's stay on the boxing side of things, man. And let's talk about Triller. Let's talk about Triller, cause you know, to me, Triller wasn't nothing but an app, a little dancing app with musics and stuff like that. So, but now they're trying to get into the world of boxing for real. So, let's take a look at what Triller is doing, man, because this is this is something to look at. This is something to keep an eye on. So, uh, let's get into that. All right, so uh, a couple years back, I, I came on here and I told you guys that uh, the zone was about to take over the world, and I was excited about you know the Netflix pricing. I'm like, yo, we about to get subscription based fights. They signed Canelo to the what was ten year deal. We we about to be fighting over there. We about to see a bunch of fights for what nine ninety nine a month. It's gonna be crazy. And they're going to get everybody else out of there. And then I was wrong. Didn't go the way, that I, the way I thought it was going to go. The, nine, the $9.99 went to $19.99. They lost Canelo. They, they just, the fights became so dry. It, was, it wasn't a good look. I thought the zone was going to be something that they had. I'll say this. The potential of the zone in the U.S. was very, very high. The, 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 uh, the ceiling was at the moon. And they never touched it. They never touched it. Not here. They never got to touch the ceiling here. They had so much potential to do so many things, man. But I I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. It was a couple times where we thought they were going to be claiming bankruptcy. It, it, it just didn't go the way I thought it was going to go. I thought they were going to become an industry titan, man. And they, in, in this country. I mean, I know outside of the U.S., the zone is done all right. But U.S. with boxing? No, not so much. Not so much, not so much So, I will not be saying the same thing for Triller But I'll be keeping my eye on them Because this is interesting This is like, you know, Triller has been nothing but an app That has been like a TikTok app uh, Or not TikTok uh, What was the other app that was out there? Man, what was it called? What was it called? I know we had Triller Oh, it was another app that played music And you could do stuff too I forgot what it was called, but it like this is all Triller was like you know one of those little social media apps. You make a little funny video and then you post it. But now they've grown into something completely different. You know they had their they've had the Roy Jones fight, Roy Jones Mike Tyson fight over there. They got plans to do something else as far as fighting goes, and it's like okay, okay, I see you. I definitely see you. Um, and when they go public, because they haven't gone public yet. They haven't gone public yet. Oh, I'll be I'll be watching when they do go public. Yeah, yeah, I'll be there. But um, so Trilla's next venture is uh their next fight, their next card I believe is on April seventeenth, and this is the Jake Paul versus Ben Askren fight. Now, I didn't you know I was like all right, well what's gonna be on the undercard? And they announced that uh Regis Progray. We'll be taking on Ivan Redcash. Now, this is a legit fight. This is a legit fight. These are two real boxers, um, and they're going to be on this card. Now, if you don't know who Regis Progray is, he is a uh, boxer. He's 25-1, 32-year-old uh, boxer. He just, he was a, he's a former um, super lightweight title holder He until he lost his belts back in 2019 against Josh, Josh Taylor. But um, he's a good boxer. And then Ivan Redcatch. Uh, he just his last fight. He lost a fight against Danny Garcia, 
Um, but he's got wins over guys like uh, Devin Alexander, and um, that's it. He doesn't have that much of a great resume, but he boxes. The point I'm trying to make here, people, is these are two legitimate boxers. Now, also on this card is 52-year-old Antonio Tarver. How old is Frank Mayer? How old is Frank Mayer, bro? I, I was I was talking about this the other day, and I was like, damn, okay, Troller look like they trying to get serious about boxing, and then I see they do they're doing this on the same night. Frank Mayer is forty one years old, and he's gonna be boxing against Antonio Tarver. I don't I don't know what's going on there, man. I I don't know. So we get to see two old men from two different sports. A YouTuber versus a former MMA guy and one real boxing match. Now, it looks like they're trying to legitimize uh, what they got going over there. Like It looks like they're trying to legitimize their name in the world of boxing while still blurring the lines between sports and entertainment. I mean, when you look at a card like that, it's not, it's not a pure... Boxing fans dream card Obviously this is not something that I'm going to be rushing to see But When you have casual fans that don't really watch The sport who really can't appreciate A 12 round bout Or really don't care for it like that They just want to see you know Somebody get knocked out or something, Just a good scrap This is a card for them because you can come For the Jake Paul uh, uh, Spectacle if you want to call it that But you what you're going to do is stay for the red, the Ivan Red catch and Regis Prograde fight. So you get to see a display of some legit boxing and see another boxing legend, Antonio Tarver, back in the ring. So it's going to be interesting to see. Um, I want to see what the pay per view buys look like. Um, I think that's going to be a big, a big part of this um, that will determine how successful they are moving forward. But I mean. I know I'm I'm totally against the the YouTube boxing. I told you guys I, I've been telling you guys then since it began a couple years back. But I'm totally against it. You know who else had a problem with this? Literally, like the beginning of this year, Teofimo Lopez. Teofimo Lopez. By the way, it's worth noting that Teofimo Lopez still has a uh, he has three years left on his top ranked deal with Bob Arum. But Triller Fight Club outbid Matchroom and Top Rank for the rights to promote his mandatory title fight versus George uh, what's this man's name? George what Camboos? Yeah. So uh, they bid a total of six point oh one eight million dollars while Matchroom bid three point five and top rank bid uh bid two point three. With all respect to Teofimo Lopez, you know he's a champion he dethroned Vasily Lomachenko. All respect to him. But a mandatory title title fight is not something you go all in for. If I'm Triller, I mean, look at the look at the bids. You got a six million dollar bid. Almost half of that, you know, a little bit over half of that with Matchroom at three point five, and a little bit of under, you know, under half with Top Rank at two point three. These are two boxing. Titans, they clearly know what they're bidding on here. I mean, we look at time. I was, I talked about this earlier today about mandatory title defenses and how they are sort of a waste of time. We just watched a mandatory title fight on Saturday night. How do you guys think this one is going to go? Let me hold on. I, I, I and once again, with all due respect, man, to George, uh, Cambus, is that his name? Cambosos, 
is that his name? Oh, I, I called that man George Campbell's. George Cambosos, I believe his name is. No, 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 that's another man. Oh my goodness, I feel so bad. Hold on, let me let me find George Cambus real quick. George Cambus. Where is this box box uh box right? What the heck? Hold on, man. What's happening here? Oh, it is George Camboso. So is this him? Oh, it's George Camboso. I said George Camboos. I ain't right. Okay, so it's 27 years old, Australian guy. Uh, Can we get his box right, please? Can we see what he's done? Like, who is this man? All right, he's 27 years old. He's 19 and 0. Um, his last fight was last year on Halloween. Okay, how many knockouts he got? 19, I mean, 10 knockouts, all right, so... I don't know, man. I mean, you know, it, it, it might be a little, it might be a little fight. I mean, he might put up a little fight, but I don't know. I don't know him. I would have to go watch him tape to see what he's about, and I, I will do that before that fight happens. But I can't tell if this hurts or helps Triller because, all right, one side of it is like, yo, you just got one of the hottest boxers in the game to fight. You know, you got the rights to promote his next fight, his next title fight. That's huge. But at the same time, it's like, okay, it's not like you bought the rights to Lopez versus Lomachenko 2 or Lopez versus Haney or Lopez versus Garcia. You bought the rights to Lopez versus Cambosos. So, I mean, at the same time, it's like, yeah, we got the champ. We outbid other boxers, but did you overpay for this? Because it looks like they overpaid for this. It looks like Matchroom knew that, yo, this is a mandatory title fight. We don't need to spend all our money on this. Eddie Hearn looked like he knew what was happening. Uh, Bob Arum clearly knows what's going on. So I, I, it just looks like Ma uh, Triller looks new. They look like babies in this. They look new. They look like the kid, the new kids on the block, which they are. But they just looked like uninformed. It looks like to me, if I was at that, if I was at the bidding war that night, say I was there to represent uh, PBC, and if I saw uh, Triller drop that six, that six million, I would have been in there laughing my butt off because it's like, yo, y'all crazy? Six M's for this? Yeah, I don't know, but. You know who wins here? Teofimo Lopez, because I believe he'll be getting 2.1 of that. Even though he got to still pay top rank, he'll be seeing some change. He'll be seeing some change, so that's cool for him. He, you know, he's betting on himself and, and making the money while in the process. So, I mean, I'll be watching Triller, especially this year, man. I want to see what they can do, because I think it's going to be interesting to watch. Uh, what's the Triller CEO's name? I know I think, I think it's Ryan something. Let's see. Triller CEO. Yeah, Ryan Kavanaugh, the founder of the Fight Club. That, yeah, this is his thing. So he's got Triller's backing and everything. So Ryan Kavanaugh. Let's see, Ryan. Well, let's see what you're made of, man. Let's see. Let's see. So I'll definitely be keeping my eye on Triller. Because it, it might be. Could it be the Triller takeover, ladies and gentlemen? Could it be? I mean, they got Snoop Dogg. Um, do you know? Hey, man, who knows? We will see. We will see. Uh, let's see. Where are we going next, man? Where are we going next? All right, so I think we're done with the boxing for today. Uh, I think we're going from the boxing ring to the hockey rink. Uh, 
I want to talk about Akeem Alou's last, uh, his latest statement on the NHL and their race relations. I think this is something that interested me and I think it's something that needs to be discussed. So let's get into that next. Okay, so Akeem Alou, he is a hockey player in the NHL, um, Nigerian descent by way of Canada. And uh, he made a statement the other day. Uh, I believe who tweeted this out Sports Center. Uh, he said he's the co-founder of Hockey's Diversity Alliance, and this is what he says: I can see right through what's going on with the league. We still have owners in the National Hockey League that think that race is not a problem. We've had fans that we know of after Matt after the Matt Dumba speech in the bubble that had issues and didn't renew their season tickets because they didn't like the whole Black Lives Matter movement. 2020 was the epicenter for corporate uh, performative acts of supports for black lives and the Black Lives Matter movement. From the NBA to everyone who was trying their best to out to just, you know, to show how much they quote unquote cared, but obviously it didn't last long. You can put Black Lives Matter on your courts. You can put in racism on your helmets. You can put the names of police brutality victims on your uniforms. But it does not matter if you do not actually care or actually actually do the work. At the end of the day, we know that, okay, all of these players have different opinions. But the majority of them actually care about what's going on in the world. So we know that what it really comes down to are the owners of these teams. These older white men who are out of touch with today's reality and stick to their old ways. That's where the problem comes down to. So when we look at, you know, the word performative performative has been used a lot. Especially in these spaces when we're talking about stuff like this. When I say performative, I mean posting the black square. Uh, as of late, you know, we've we've seen stuff going on in the Asian community, and we've seen um, different leagues, different brands. Some, oh yeah, we're with the Asian community. We stand against this. We stand against that. But do you really? Do you really? Is the question. Do you really, or is it all a show? He said that there was proof, evidence, that people canceled their season tickets because the NHL NHL players came out and said they support the Black Lives Matter movement. Do you know how much hate you have to have in your heart to stop supporting your favorite team or stop watching your favorite sport because you can't get past racism? Seriously, think about that. Imagine that. You can't watch your favorite. You don't want to watch your favorite team anymore because players on your team are speaking out against uh, systemic racism and police brutality. So because they do that, you can't support them anymore. Imagine that. Imagine how vile you have to be to be in that group. Imagine being a part of the a group of people who stopped watching the NFL because Colin Kaepernick took a knee. What future say? One monkey won't stop the show. Don't matter what you do. 
the world gonna keep spinning. The game is gonna keep playing, being played, and we're—I'll still be watching. I'll still be watching. And when when we when when Bleacher Report and Sports Center tweet stuff out like this, I'm so glad they don't turn the replies or the comments off because all it does is allow people to show who they really are, whether it's from a burner account or from their real account. Let's take a look, ladies and gentlemen. This this I love this I love this part. Here is. Mr. Joshua Pullman at uh, Joshua underscore Pullman. He says that's because Black Lives Matter is a Marxist organization that believes everything contrary to biblical values. Uh, Okay, here's Mr. Steve Deisman. He has a Boston Bruins uh, logo as his avi. He said just because someone doesn't like Black Lives Matter doesn't make them racist. Oh, okay. Um, Let's see. Oh yeah, look at this. Post sports, please. Woke culture ruins sports. <laughs> like I can see through his fight to get extra money. Post a real sport. I mean, I know I'm selective when choosing my team on NHL, but I didn't think this made me racist. Yeah, I mean it's it's a lot of that. It's a lot of that. So. You compare this thread to the Jeremy Lin thread. When any when ESPN Sports Center tweeted out that Jeremy Lin, you know, the the G League will be launching the investigation into Jeremy Lin's uh claim that somebody called him coronavirus on the court. I I believe that could have happened one hundred percent and I do not believe that uh Jeremy Lin is a liar. I know that there's a lot going on right now against the Asian community due to the pandemic and what's going on especially in this last year. I read an article that says that attacks against Asian Americans are up nineteen hundred percent. I believe that one hundred percent. So I will never call Jeremy Lin a liar. Like a lot of you call Bubba Wallace a liar. But you go look at that thread and there's a lot of support. For Jeremy Lin, a lot of how is this still happening? A lot of, you know, they didn't say they didn't tell Sports Center to post sports then, but when somebody speaks out about Black Lives and how Black people are being, you know, still being mistreated or not heard in a certain space, then they got to be quiet. Same thing about I don't what's that guy's name was Zayton. I don't even know how to how to pronounce his name. The soccer player that told LeBron James basically to stick to sports instead of politics. Why is it when black men speak out they got to be quiet? Why is that? Why is that? Why do we have the mute black voices still in 2021? That's my question. That's my question. Why? I had an entire episode planned. To speak on stuff like this I did I was going to drop it on Sunday But I thought about it I had some self reflection Talked to my people And I changed my mind I just don't get it I don't How can people be so divisive on their own? How can you be so divisive? People spend things so, so sickening. It's so sickening to see how people spend things. 
somebody speaking out about stuff going on in their own community going on against them that's been going on for years somebody speaking on that is wrong and they have to stick to they they, they got to stick to what they're good at as if they're not human beings why is that It's frustrating And the reason that I didn't Do that episode Had the, the graphic drawn up and everything It was going to be called uh, Divided We Fall I just couldn't do it I just felt like that it, it, I, I've been all, you know, with Using my platform to speak about Injustices against the black community um, and, 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 and Athletes using their pro, uh, uh, Their platforms and People speaking out against athletes using a profile. I've been talking about that story for so long. It's just like it's exhausting, and it's like, what else is there left to say? I don't know. People are trying to minimize what minorities are going through, and and then when athletes speak out about it, they they want to shut them down. It's a sad world we live in where racism and speaking out against racism gets classified as politics. That's not political. That's not a political problem. Racism is not a political problem. Racism is a human race problem, human problem. Politics, racism. I, I'm not speaking out against who who my favorite athlete should vote for. I'm not saying that my favorite athlete is is um making me want to go vote for somebody else. No, I I would rather my favorite athlete speak about real life problems that have nothing to do with politics. I mean, somebody getting killed because they're black that's not political. Somebody getting beat on or harassed because they're Asian. In a time where the former president called the the coronavirus the kung flu, that's not politics. That's that's ignorance and racism. One of my major points that I was going to point out when I was going to do the episode was this is this is what really burned me up over the weekend. I know I'm going off on the tangent here And I'm kind of getting away from what I was talking about But that's just something I had to get off my chest <sighs> With the Jeremy Lin situation He said somebody called him coronavirus I believe that 100% it, it definitely could have happened I did not see him trending on tw Twitter As Jeremy Smollett Nobody has called Jeremy Lin a liar Over this weekend but when Bubba Wallace said that somebody put a noose in his garage that was so far-fetched that people called him Bubba Smollett and called him a liar. Nobody has called Jeremy Lin a liar. You go in the comments section of Bleacher Report on that Jeremy Lin story. All you see is a bunch of people talking about 
uh, the Black Lives Matter movement and, and basically shading black people. It's like, yo, what does this have to do with Jeremy Lin speaking about speaking out against people uh, discriminating his own community? I say this to say I was reading an article on CNN. And in the article, embedded in the article was the news clip. And it was a four-minute video. Two and a half minutes of that video were clips of showing black people attacking Asian people. There was one clip of a white guy in a restaurant talking bad about Asian people and telling them to leave the restaurant. Do you not see what's going on? The media and people alike are trying to make this... uh, uh, They're trying to weaponize... The Asian community's pain and, and their suffering and what they're going through. They're trying to weaponize it against the black community. Do you, do you, not, do you guys not see the plot? I don't stand for racism against anybody. But what you're not going to do is weaponize somebody else's pain and try to minimize ours. That's not right. And it shouldn't be done to anybody. But if you can't see it, you don't want to see it. That's exactly what's going on in the world of sports. People don't want to hear about the Black Lives Matter movement. It feels like there's an oppression Olympics now. Jeremy Lin speaks out about what's going on for him. He's getting a lot of support. Akeem Alou comes out against the NHL and it shut the hell up. Do you guys not see what's going on here? It's unfair. It's unfair. (sighs) Once again, people found it so hard to believe that somebody would put a noose in the only black driver's garage. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to to understand why black players, black soccer players in Europe are 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 met on the pitch with bananas thrown at them. People can't understand that. Can't understand why there may have been a noose in Bubba Watson Bubba Wallace's garage. But everybody is quick to jump behind Jeremy Lynn. Why is that? Why is that? Once again, I really hope. And Jeremy Lin has already said that he doesn't want to name names. You know, he just wants. You know, he wanted to you know raise awareness to the situation. I get that. I get that. You don't want to cause more trouble. You know, you don't want to cause any trouble. You just want you know the people to know what's going on. I get it. I do. I get it. You know, I hope that. Jeremy Lin can play you know, the rest of the season out without having to deal with any of that. Nobody should be uncomfortable or feel discriminated in their workplace, no matter what color you are. That, that, that shouldn't happen. But let's just keep the same energy for everybody is all I'm saying. That's it. That's all I'm saying. Um, You know what? On, on that note, ladies and gentlemen, let me see. Let me think. Then we get you guys out of here. I think I just want to leave you with before you form 
your opinion on something do your research do your research know your history and do your research don't be ignorant on purpose don't be ignorant on purpose we have google we have bing do your googles learn something Before you form an ignorant opinion Especially if you're going to post it online That's all I got for you guys today I'll be back on Friday Told you guys I'll be back on Friday For episode 132 Um, So shout out to everybody man Shout out to the listeners Shout out to Stadium Scene TV Um, And for the 131st time, I'm Eric Lyons, and you have just been electrified.